ready. You guys ready? Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, bless our ears that we may hear your word, not man's word, not something we want to hear, but Lord God, that we may hear what you're speaking to our hearts. You're a good God. You love us. And Lord God, I pray that your word would just speak to us today, change us, open our eyes. Hallelujah. Make us more like Jesus in every way. Amen. Amen. All righty. I feel like I've been running. I don't know why. And I didn't drink coffee. I'm saved. Here we go. Yeah, that's right. All those who drink coffee, you need saved. Hallelujah. But uh, I want to give you a scenario. Imagine you invited someone into your house, a couple to your house. And they come on in, you're excited, you've got a meal prepared for them, you, you clean the house, you get it all ready, and they come into your house. And they're greeted, they take off their coats, and they, uh, they wipe their feet, and they come on in. But next thing you know, they disappeared. Where'd they go? And you go in the bedroom, and there they are going through your closet. <laughs> and, and they're looking at stuff, and they're like, oh, I like this, oh, I like it. And they're taking things off, and they're trying on your clothes. And then they're going through your drawers. And then it comes like, you're kind of like, oh, that's kind of weird. And so then we're sitting down for dinner. And then it's dinner, you prepared this dinner. And all of a sudden, they're in the refrigerator, opening it up, pulling out things that they want to eat and come sitting down and creating their own sandwich, whatever it is, their own meal. You'd be thinking, what are you doing? Who did I just let into my house? This is my house. I've got my rules. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Does that come over you guys any? So, uh, oh, you've had, was it when I was there? Okay, anyway. No one does that sort of thing. No one goes into a house and does that sort of thing, except every single one of us. We go into God's house. This universe is God's house. It's his. The scripture tells us um, that God owns everything. That's one of the first things that we learned last week, two weeks ago, actually, The universe is God's and everything in it, it belongs to our God. Let's look at the scripture in Psalms 89, 11. It says this, God, the heavens are yours. God, the earth is yours. God, everything in the world is yours. You created it all. This is God's house and God is the owner of this house. We are not the owner of the things we even have. If you're a Christian, matter of fact, the rest of the world, they don't own anything either. Everything that we have It's all because it belongs to God. But God allows us to use it. But let's just stop and think right there. God owns it all. We own nothing. That's a great place to start. Now, let's look on ahead here. The Bible calls, uh, God wants also to do something in our lives. Uh, This is God's house and God's the owner, but he also, he wants us to manage it. Here's what he's done. He says, you know what? This is mine. I built it all. It's mine. You understand that? Okay, good. Now I want you to take care of it all. I want you to take care of everything that I've made. Let's look at this in the scripture. Sounds in Psalms 8, 4 through 6. What is mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should even care about them. Yet you made them a little lower than the angels. And you crowned them with glory and honor. How? You gave them charge of everything that you made, God. Putting all things under their authority. So God has a management company for everything that he owns. And that management company is humanity. That's you and I. 
We have a responsibility. Again, it's not ours, but you know what? It's in our possessions. We can use it and we can misuse it as well. But I'm here to tell you, God has a management company and it's you and I. It's you and I. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, the Bible calls this stewardship. Will you please say the word stewardship with me? Stewardship. Yeah, that's a word for a manager. That's for someone who takes care of something that's not theirs. They protect it and they expand it. All for the owner who owns it. And that's what God wants you and I to be. He wants us to be stewards. He wants us to be stewards of his kingdom. So we are kingdom stewards. That's what we are. That's, that's a powerful thing. The rest, God wants us to know that. Matter of fact, what is a kingdom steward? I'm going to throw it up there. A kingdom stewards are believers who faithfully oversee all of God's assets. That's what a kingdom steward is. They oversee God's assets. They protect it. And they expand it. They make it greater. They make more of it. Everything that God places underneath our stewardship. For instance, all the resources that you have. Who has a car? No, you don't. That's God's. Yeah. Your home where you're living. Yeah, you're living in it and it's fine. God loves you living in it. But that's not your home. That's God's. And a matter of fact, God wants you to steward. Listen to me. Steward your own home as if it was his. So you better ask him before you paint the walls. I don't know. But anyway, I'm just saying, it, it is your, it, God has placed it in your care to do with what you want. You can use it or misuse it. But know this, we're going to have to give an account to God because it's his one day. Amen? So everything that God places under us is a stewardship. Not only our resource, but check this one out. Time. You know that God could take us anytime he wants to and, and he will? We don't, ha- we don't have control of our own time. There's people try to do that, but through suicide and things like that. But I'm here to tell you, our time belongs to God. And God wants us to steward our time as believers well. He wants us to steward our talents. You got all kinds of talents. He wants us to steward the treasures we've been given. He wants us to steward our families in a way that honors God. Amen? That's a good one. Our families are given to us. But now, let's treat them as if it's God's family, not like we get mad at them and we do what we want. It's God's family. Our family, our own lives, God's church, God's people, the friends that he surrounded us with, everything we have in our life is, belongs to God. And he says, I want you to use it, and I want you to steward it well. I want you to protect it, and I want you to grow it. You know that God is all about growth? Yeah. He is. Uh, the devil came along, and he lied. He says, God wants to withhold from you. No, God wants to expand. He's all about being fruitful and multiplying. And that's not just having a lot of babies. That's everything that's in our possession. We're to make it fruitful and multiply. And there's such potential in the things that God has given us that it can grow. It can do. And we want to do it all for the kingdom of God. So if, if it's God's material and we're the ones that are using it, we can't lay claim to it. So we can't just treat it any way we want. We want to treat it the way that God wants us to treat it. This, if we, listen, if we can grasp this, and I'm telling you what, the, the church right now, it would, just, it would open up some doors for us. It would cause us to walk in a way of authority in certain areas. And you know what? That's not mine, but I'm here to say I'm going to call it out for God right now in this situation. We'll, we'll talk about that later on. So we own nothing, but we manage a lot. What we're going to do today, we're going to talk about how we can, what, what is the purpose of stewardship. And we're going to look at a story in the Bible, which most of us are very familiar with. Because we're familiar with it, we kind of just kind of ignore it. Hey, don't listen. Don't ignore it. We're going to listen to every word it says in it and then let God speak to us at how we can be good stewards and what's the purpose of stewardship in our lives. So, in order for us to do that, uh, we're going to be looking at Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. 
And I'm going to read it. This is the New Living Translation. Here we go. And by the way, this is Jesus talking. And Jesus is the one who owns everything. Amen? Amen. He said, oh, wait, 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 before I go any further, I just want to say this. This is a parable. And a parable, it takes things in the physical world that we understand and see. And it, he uses that to help describe things in the spiritual that we can't see. And so we can understand it better. So there's a spiritual realm to all this, but God uses the physical thing, and this is the physical thing. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants, and he entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver. Now, your Bible might say talents. And a talent was like 75 pounds of silver, which comes to about $25,000 in today's money. So he gave five bags of silver to one servant. He gave two bags of silver to another. And he gave one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. And then he left on the trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money right away, and he earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work, and he earned two more himself. But the servant who received the one bag of silver, he dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. Verse 19. After a long time, their master returned from his trip, and he called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant who had been entrusted with five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'm going to give you many more responsibilities. And let's celebrate together. Your Bible may say, enter into the joy of the Lord, but I love the way the New Living Translation says it. Let's celebrate together. You've done great things. I'm proud of you. The servant who had received the two bags of silver, he came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said to him, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. So now you may, so I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver, he came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant, gathering crops you didn't cultivate, and I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I was harvesting crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could, could have gotten small interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they have been given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right, now we're just going to look at this parable here real quick. By the way, parables you don't get your theology from, they just help us to understand things better. And one of the things in this parable that we can see is this. Every one of these guys was giving talents. They were giving money to invest for their master. Everyone in here has been given something 
that God wants us to invest for him. You've got talents. You've got a good job. You've got money. You've got friends. You've got a home that you can use. You've got your car. You can, you can, everything that you have. Your breath, your health. That's why it's terrible for those who say, I'm not going to serve the Lord until I'm really, really old. Well, then they get to a point that their body is broken. They're really no good to the kingdom at that point. To some degree. I'm not saying God can't use them. But I'm just saying if you do that, then you've wasted the best strength of your life on something that you could have used for the kingdom of God. But every single one in this room today, we all have been given talents. We've been given, some have been given more talents than others. But it doesn't matter. There's such, listen to me. There's such potential in the talents of which you've been given, you have no idea the potential that's in there. Think of it this way. A, a, a tree, an acorn, you put that little bitty thing in the ground, you think it's small, you think it's worthless, but because God has put potential and growth in everything and you're faithful to plant it and do it the right way, it grows into a mighty oak tree. Not only that, you think it stops there? No, it doesn't. You cut that tree down, you put it into boards and you make yourself a beautiful house. This thing goes on and on and on and on from one little faithfulness, Amen. It's the same thing with crops that we eat, food that we eat. You put one little seed in the ground and out of it comes a big ear of corn that has 30, 60, 100 times more than what the original has. There is potential in every single thing that God has created and there's potential in you and I. And God can use us to do great things for his kingdom. He wants to grow his kingdom here on earth. He wants the world to know who he is and he's doing that through his church who's faithful and showing their good God. And we do that by being faithful in the things that he's given us. And we use it for the Lord. Amen? We don't just consume it on ourselves. There's times we, we can enjoy things of God. But if we just consume it on ourselves, then the world doesn't get the blessing from it. I want you to know that. So, in this parable, every one of us, we get a talent from God. Multiple talents from God. And I'm not just talking about singing. I'm not just talking about really good in sports. Talents go way beyond our mere giftings. They include the time in which we've been given to live here on earth. Man, that's a problem. And that's the reason why I hate this phrase. What you doing? Oh, I'm just killing time. Sin. Amen? Let that no longer be in your vocabulary. I'm just killing time. No, you're not. You don't, we don't kill time. We use the time for the best for our God. Amen? This, listen, wait. First of all, everyone, take your feet and bring them in real close because there might be some toes stepped on here today. Okay? Uh, trust me. I, I've got some, I'm, I'm losing a toenail right now from it. But I'm I'm serious. I don't preach to you what I don't preach to myself first. Amen. So I want you to know, all these things, our time we've been given, that's a talent. The abilities that you've been given, whatever it may be, businesses, uh, with family, with friends, with speaking, I don't care what it is. Your resources that you've been given. We've, we're to steward the well, we're, we are to steward well the time we've been given, the talents and the resources. And so, the world, okay, I'm sorry, I'm just, let me put on some glasses, there it goes. Yeah, we're to steward well the things that God has given us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Does that make sense? Yeah. So everyone in here, your master has given you bags of silver, bags of gold, things that's powerful potential. You have it. Don't think it's too small. Don't think it's worthless. It's powerful. Amen. So how should we manage what we have been given? Well, let's look at the parable again. Jesus He's the master. He's the man who gives the talents, gives the money, and then he's the one that goes far away to a trip, and he's waiting to come back. Jesus isn't here physically with us today. He's gone, but his church is here, and that's why we're to manage his things for us. But he's coming back, church. He's coming back. 
And we have to give an account for what we've done with the money he's given us, the talents he's given us. Hallelujah. So the master, he's gone on a long trip. Now he's gone. We've got work to do. Amen? All right. Now we're also the servants. We've been entrusted with the master's resources. And, this, and by the way, these servant stories, one of them is your story. There's three different servants. The first one, five talents. He turned it around, five more. That's a great one. The second servant, he was given two talents. He turned it around, he made two more. The third servant, he was given one talent. He went out in the yard, dug a hole, put its valuable possession that the master gave him in there and put dirt over top of it and hid it. That's what he's done. The master's not very happy with that. Later, the master returns and the servants have to give an account for what they've done with with that master had given them. First one says, I made your five. I got five more. Here's 10. The master was well pleased. The second one, two, he made two more with that. He used it right away and he presented it to the master. And he was like, well done. I'm so proud of you. Third one says, you know what? I was afraid. I was afraid I might lose it. And uh, I went out in the yard and I buried it. And so I dug it up and here's your money back. The master was not pleased. Not pleased at all. So, like this parable, you and I, we have to give an account to God on how we steward the talents that he's given us. Now, let's stop and really make this personal right here. You have to give an account for everything God has given you, everything you have. You're going to have to stand before God. There's a judgment seat. And this isn't where sinners go. This is where the Christians go. And it's supposed to be a place of rewards. But if you've not use the things of God well, you don't receive the rewards that God so wants to give us. So we have to give an account to God on how we steward the talents he has given us. This is our main point. We've got we to believe this. Second Corinthians 5.10 says this, For we must all stand before Jesus to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil that we've done in this earthly body. Now what I want to do, I want to read that same verse But I want to read it in the Amplified Version, which really expands on it. Listen to this. For we believers will be called to an account, and we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one of us may be repaid for what what has been done in the body, whether it's good or bad. That is, each will be held responsible for his actions, for his purposes, his goals, his motives, for the use or the misuse of his time, opportunities, and abilities. See, we think we just, let's just come down here on earth, let's live for the Lord, let's get saved, and just do what we want to do. God has called us to work. It's like, that's not the Christianity I signed up for, then you didn't sign up for Christianity. That's what God wants. We could talk about this later, and I will, but we can be saved and, and not use the things that God has given us, just like this wicked servant did. But I'm here to tell you, God wants to bless you. God wants the best for you and I. He wants the best for you and I. He will have, to, and we're going to have to tell Jesus how we use our time, talents, and treasure one day. You will, all by yourself. There's a quote from a book. It's called Kingdom Stewardship, and it's by um, Tony Evans. And I want to throw this quote up there. I thought it was good. It says this. The master was not pleased with the man who did not increase that which had been given to him. In the same way, Jesus will not be pleased with us if we remain stagnant in areas that he's asked us to be productive in for his kingdom. He will not be pleased with us. 
We think, I remember thinking this all the time. Man, I just got to get to heaven. I just, I got to cross that threshold. Woohoo, I made it. Woohoo, touchdown. Woo. Where's my cloud? Where's my harp? You know, that, that, that's, what, that's what I'm here for, right? No, no. We don't just want to make it into heaven. God has, God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you for what you've done here on earth. And he wants to trust you in doing things because he has jobs for us later on for eternity. Did you know that? It's not this huge retirement home in the sky. It's not. It's going to come back down on earth, here on earth and we're going to spend our eternity here on earth after Jesus comes back and new heaven and new earth and new Jerusalem comes down. We're going to be with him here and we're going to be doing things in this world that he's called us to do. And the ones who will be going to do the great things and have great responsibilities are the ones who steward well what God has given them now. Now, how many of you guys have a retirement plan? Oh, my goodness. So I hope, you ha- I hope more people do. <laughs> I hope you have a plan of some sort. And I hope it's not like, well, I'm going to wait for the government to take care of me. Everyone go, oh, right? Okay. <laughs> Don't just, we should have a plan. And by the way, this financial peace, this, this, this financial freedom thing that we want to train it will help us to do that. It really will. There's time, church. There's time. But listen, there's also time for us to build what God has called us to do in the kingdom of heaven. You may think, it's too late for me. I've, I've messed up my life. I messed up all the things that God has given me. I've lost some of the things he's given me. I lost part of my family. I lost my job. I lost my home. I, I just have the shirt on my back. I'm here to tell you right now, there is potential in everything that you have. Powerful powerful potential and if you trust God and you use it the way God has called you use it I'm here to tell you it will produce for you magnificent amount amen that's what God wants us to have he wants us God is for us he wants us to be fruitful he wants us to multiply God wants not only that listen to this God also wants us to enjoy the things in which he has entrusted us with did you know that if he's giving you family you think he wants you to enjoy your family yes he wants you to enjoy your family if he's giving you a home do you think he wants you to enjoy your home your apartment, yes, he wants you to enjoy those things. It's not like, oh, keep it clean, keep it clean. God's going to be coming around soon. Keep it clean. It's not like that, okay, you know what I'm saying? But we want to use it, our homes, to bring in people, to teach them about Jesus Christ. Our homes, to bring in people to love upon and to share a meal with and share the truth of God, amen? He wants us to use our cars to pick up people to go to work, whatever it may be, so that now you have a, a, a place in their life and you can speak into their life. Whatever it may be, the things that you have, God wants us to use for his kingdom. And we get the blessings from it. Praise the Lord. Well, it's awful, awful quiet in here. Praise the Lord, right? All right. So God is for us. He wants us to be fruitful. God, we want God to be pleased with us. Amen? All right. So we get to choose. In this parable, we get to choose what type of servant we're going to be. Servant number one, servant number two, which are very closely tied, or servant number three. So um, listen to what the master called the servant who buried his talents. He said, you wicked and lazy servant. It was still his servant. You wicked and lazy servant. I want to talk, I want to take that wicked and lazy and just kind of expand on. Let's look at lazy first, okay? Lazy refers to a bent in a person to give priority to their own life. To their own choices. This lazy means I don't want to work for you. I only want to work for me. I only want to do the things that makes me happy. 
I don't want to do what you call me to do for you because that, that sounds like a lot of work. I mean, if I have to meet people, ugh. If I have, you know, we live in a culture today. It's just like, get into your house and hide quick. There might be people outside. You ever, guys ever notice that? We'll bring in your food. We'll bring in your toilet paper. Never leave. You know, God has called us to have relationships with the world around us. And that's what God wants us to do in those things there. But if we're so lazy that we won't work towards that, then we're not using the thing that God has given us, right? We're not using our home. We're not using our house. We're not using the internet. I don't care what it may be. Let everything that you have make a connection with the world around you. Amen? So, the lazy servant, again, that refers to a a bent inside of every person to give priority to their own wants, their own needs, their own desires over everybody else. Here's what lazy says. I'm not going out there to serve some master. Lazy says this. I'm not going to sweat and waste energy on someone else. Lazy says this. I got my own stuff to do. I've got my own plans. I have my own dreams. I'm going to work on those. And that's exactly what this man did. He took everything and he just hid it for himself right there. He put no effort in expanding the talents in which he had been given him. See, his master expected, use this and grow it. You can enjoy the fruits of it, but grow it for me. And he didn't do that. And so he was called lazy. You know, he could have been very, very busy and he didn't have time to do those things. Well, if he's that busy, he's busy for all the wrong things. In America today, we have a very busy culture and I, trust me, I hate it. Um, One of the things though in America, we kind of use it as a status symbol. Look how busy I am. I must be successful. I used to think that way. I really did. I remember doing things just to be busy. That, that was just wrong. And so busy that I was neglecting my family. I was neglecting my relationship with God, even though I was working for God. I was wrong. I did it for the wrong thing. I was doing it for the kingdom of Terry. So people look at Terry and say, what a great guy. It didn't work. Didn't work. So... We can, be late, we can be busy, but if we're that busy, we're doing it for the wrong things. And most of the busyness is really building our own kingdom. And we're very lazy towards the master's intentions. The master also called the man not only lazy, but he called the servant of his wicked. Wicked servant. Check this out. This servant chose to put the money in the ground. He, he could have put the money in a bank. It's just as easy. Do you think it's easier to go out and dig a hole and bury something, or you think it's just easier just going, hey, will you put this in there and take care of it for me? In a bank. He didn't put the money in a bank. Why is that? If you put the money in a bank, there's accountability there. They know it's there, and they know how much is there. If you go out and dig a hole in the ground and put your money in there, no one knows where you hid it. You're the only one who knows where it's at. And so what this servant was doing, he's trying to play both ends to the middle here. So if this, say, the master came back, he could go and dig up that silver right away. He says, hey, hey, here's your silver. I didn't lose a single one of it. It's single coin. It's all right here. It's all yours. But if the master didn't come back, he can go and dig it up for himself and spend it on himself. He was a wicked servant. And for, one of, for this reason, he was called a wicked servant. He was setting himself up to steal if the opportunity arose from what was not his. Second thing is this. How was he wicked? Well, He didn't take his master's return very serious at all. He had doubts. You know, he could have thought, well, the master could get harmed. He may not come. The master could get sick and we may never see him. He could die. I will never see him again and that money could be mine. Or maybe he'll change his plans. 
He'll change his plans. He's been gone a long time, so I can use that sort of stuff. He didn't take his master's return seriously. And because of all these doubts, he hid the money. He hid the money. What you believe, and this is a point I want to throw up here. Listen to me, church. What you and I believe impacts what we do. He believed master's not going to come back. I can do what I want with this. So if master's not going to come back soon, I, can do, I don't have to do anything. I don't have to do anything. I can just go on about my easy life knowing that the money is in a hole in the ground and I don't have to work at it. Not like this guy with the five talents or this guy with the two talents. They're working at it. But I don't have to. It's just in a hole in the ground. It's safe. And because of that, he was very lazy and he was very wicked. Um, so what we do and what we believe impacts what we do. Your, your theology it influences your lifestyle, what you do. Jesus can get, listen to this. Like this man, this, he could get sick or he could die. Jesus can't get sick. Jesus cannot die. And so because he can't do those things, um, far too many believers, they, we kind of believe the same thing. We have the doubt that Jesus won't return in our lifetime or Jesus won't return right away. Listen, <clears throat> there's a, us Christians, sometimes we have doubts, and I get that. I remember going through the doubts with my parents, saying, Mom, Dad, how do I know what we are believing is real? And there's so many other religions out there. How do I know that? And I think all of us have struggled with that to some degree. But far too many people, believers, listen to me, believers, they doubt that God will return. They question, is this all real? Did Jesus really rise from the grave? Did he really do that? Um, does heaven and earth, does heaven and hell really exist? I have my doubts. And because we have those doubts, guess what it's going to do to us? It's not going to cause us to pursue God. It's going to cause us to freeze. Kind of like burying your talent in the area. The evidence that believers have doubts in their lives, because many do nothing. Listen, this is not a fun sermon to preach on right now. <laughs> I can see it right now. It's like, oh, that soup is sounding great right now. But listen... The evidence that we have doubts about God's coming back, we do nothing. Going to church, that's a good thing. But that's not the sum total of what God wants us to do. There's so much more that God has called us to do. He's given us so much more. And we're missing out on growing God's kingdom. So if we really believe Jesus is coming back, it will impact our words. It will impact our choices. It will impact our investments, our prayers, our actions. Yeah. If we really believe Jesus is coming back for us and, he's come, and we have to give an account, it will impact our lives and how we live and what we do with the things that God has given us. It will impact us in that way. The fact that we're doing nothing shows that we have doubts. And God wants us to know that. God wants us to know that. If you don't believe, then you'll be satisfied with a little bit of church. If you don't believe, then you'll be satisfied with a little bit of Bible, with a little bit of Christianity. And you'll be satisfied with that. So if you have doubts, this, this, is, this is us looking in the mirror. Okay? It may not be pretty, but it's us looking at the true mirror in our lives. Our theology influences our lifestyle. And like I said, this is a hard teaching. It's hard because it goes completely against our flesh. Our flesh does not want to do these things. Our flesh just wants to relax and just do its own thing and serve itself. That's the flesh, and the flesh will never be saved. You have to fight. You and I have to fight our flesh all the time. Amen. And this is a lesson that's particularly painful for me because I'm a pastor. And as I'm a pastor, I'm thinking, well, I'm doing everything God wants me to do. 
You know what I'm saying? I'm walking in my calling, yes. But God has given me so much. Am I doing what God has called me to do in everything? Am I stewarding all the other stuff? I'm, I'm showing up for a job for God. But am I stewarding everything he's given me? Am I stewarding my family, my children right, my friends right, his church right? Am I stewarding his church properly? Am I opening opportunities for the church to do great things? We were praying. <clears throat> we pray on Thursday mornings. And John Wooten, I love him. He's raw. He's raw. Have you ever gotten his text messages? They're raw. But uh, he said this, and this really stuck with me, John, and I thank you for it, you big meanie. <laughs> he said, I'm sick and tired of talking about doing things. Let's do something. Amen. Boom. Boom. It's like, you know, you're absolutely right. Let's do something as a church. But first of all, know this. We stand before God individually alone. That's where God wants us to start right there. This sermon is meant to encourage every one of us to grow. It is meant to encourage us to grow. It's meant to open our eyes to where things are wrong in our lives and where we could do better. Not harder, but better. It's also meant to launch us to do great things for the kingdom of God. There's such potential in this room. You have no idea what one man, one woman, one family could do for the kingdom of God and make a difference in the world around them. You have no idea. Seriously. Remember, there's potential. And let's not be content with mediocrity, okay? And I think in a church we think we're doing... Here's what I likened it to. Uh, In the church we think we're doing good, we think we're doing fine, we're, you know, everything's A-OK. It's kind of like someone who... um, You ever, you guys ever fill out a resume... And you, you, and you say you was a window washer, and you're thinking, well, how can I make that sound important? You know, how can I make it sound like, yeah, I'm proud of what I do, you know, I'm, I'm a transparency enhancement technician, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. That's what we do, yeah. And that's what I would put on the resume. Those, those are things. So, guys, we, we can't fool God. We're going to stand before God, and we're going to give an account for all the things that we've done. We are. And we can't fool him. It's like, I, I, I went to church. It's like, that's great. That's great. What have you done with, with, with the money I've given you? It's like, oh, I knew he'd funny good to money. But no, everything we have is belongs to God. Amen? So this is to encourage us. Lord, thank you. Thank you for waking me up. Thank you that I'm no longer walking in like around like a zombie and then the church is not impacting the world. Why is the church not impacting the world? Because we're not taking our stewardship seriously with what God has given us. That's the reason why. God wants you to succeed. He wants me to succeed and he's given us everything we need. He's given us his Holy Spirit. He's given us his word. He's given us his church body. We can succeed in our own individual lives and stewarding. Finally, this one. What you believe also impacts your future. Jimmy, if you would, please. This way they really believe me. It's the end. (laughs) What you believe impacts your future. It impacted the future of this third servant. Remember the master's response when he found out that he buried it? Here's what he said. Then the master ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more is going to be given. I can trust them. And they will have an abundance. But those who do nothing, even what little they have is going to be taken away from them. 
So again, I, I want us to stop and think right now, and I don't want you to let the, here's where the devil's going to come in and say something to you. I know the devil well enough. He's going to say this. It's too late for me. It is not too late for you. You may have mishandled, you may have misused, you may have mismanaged the things that God has given you, but I'm here to tell you God is going to give you. But start, start with what he's given you. Start with the small, start with the one talent that you've given, he's given you. Amen? Don't wait till you have 10 or 20 so you can work on it. Use what God has given you and I right now. Your family, your friends, your home. Hallelujah. Your job. Your job. Oh, yeah. So what this servant was hoping for was that that bag of silver. He was hoping for that bag of silver. It was taken away from him and was given it to someone that God could trust. God couldn't trust him to use it. And sometimes God takes some things out of our lives and he gives it to anyone he wants. But use what little you have and then God will give you more. Check it out. He gave this guy more and more and more and more did he not well if we say i'm going to pick up right now and say lord it's yours it's not mine god will give you more and more when you're faithful and more and more and more and more and it's not just for you it's for his kingdom but, but when you get to heaven all the reward that awaits you and i well done my good and faithful servant let's rejoice together amen hallelujah ah Jesus also tells us the man was thrown into a place of mourning. Check this out. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now let me pause right here. Again, this is not theology. This is a parable. And it's easy to think he's talking about hell. I believe and I've been convinced that he's not talking about hell. Uh, it's an, it, the whole issue of this story is about the rewards of those who are faithful. That's the whole issue of the story. And this, this word, uh, weeping in, that, in outer darkness, weeping and gnashing teeth, represents their sorrow, there's regret for not doing what they could have done when they finally stand before God. And that kind of rocked me. I'm thinking, regret in heaven? I want to read you something. There is regret in heaven. You ready? The phrase is a somatic phrase. It means profound regret. He, he says, throw him into the outer darkness or this weeping and gnashing of teeth. But he's going to regret that he did not do what he could have done. With what he had. Remember 1 Corinthians 5.10 says that we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for what we've done. That's called the Bema seat of Christ. That's what we call that. And everything that we do is going to go through a fire. And as it goes through the fire, all the things that we did for the wrong motives, all the things that we misused, they're burned up, they're gone. But the things that we did right for God, they come out as shiny gold and shiny silver and precious metals. And that's the reward that we have and it's great. The Bible says that People will make it to heaven and they're going to be saved. But now their works are going to be tried. You meet, God saved you. Not because of what you've done, not because of the works, because of his grace and his love for you and you put your faith in him. But now you've been saved to do good works. You're not saved by your good works. No, you're saved by God's grace and mercy. But now you've been saved to do good works. Be a good steward. We're saved to do that thing right there. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians 3.13. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. It's talking about the Christians. This isn't like you're going to hell. You're going, no, you've made it to heaven. Now let's see what kind of reward you get for how good of a steward you were. On the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, <clears throat> the builder will receive a reward. But... If the work is burned up, the builder will, listen to this, 
suffer great loss. Say suffer. Suffer great loss. Because when you see what God has in store for you, we think it's just, oh, you get a little badge. He ain't giving us just a little badge. He wants to put us in charge of all of his creation. Remember, he still has that plan. He wants us to be in charge of it. Can he trust you and I? The only way he's going to know is how we steward what we have right now. They are saved. This person is saved. Oh, uh, they will suffer great loss. And then it goes on to say this. The builder will be saved, but like someone who barely escaping through a wall of flames. There are some people who are barely going to make it to heaven. Praise the Lord, they make it. Praise the Lord, they make it. I used to think that way. I used to think, man, if I can just get in there, I'll just eke my way in. I can enjoy my life and do what I want down here. And at the very end, I'll eke my way in. Number one, that's a lie from the devil. That's a trap and that's a trick from the devil. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to take from you. But number two, we're not guaranteed. You have no idea when you're going to die. You have not a clue. But if... But there are those on their deathbed who never served the Lord, never loved the Lord, didn't want to. But then the love of God in their heart and the love of God through someone who's faithful and goes and speaks to them, they surrender their life to the Lord. That person made it. Are the rewards waiting for him? Nah, no. Because he wasn't able to work for those. But he made it to heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. But the builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. He will suffer great loss. Suffer great loss. When Jesus returns to earth with us one day, and we, we're going to live on this earth, he's going to reign. God's going to say, you were faithful with what I've given you with the little small things. Now I'm going to give you great things. I want you to rule this city. You're the ruler of this city, Tim. This city is yours. I want you to rule it for me because I trusted you. You were faithful. I could trust you to take care of this city for me. Lori, God's going to say, you are so faithful with what you've done here, I can trust you to take care of this state. This state, I want you to take care of it and run it for me. Everything that God has, he wants us to run. It may be just a family, whatever it may be, but I'm here to tell you, God is coming back and he wants to reward us in those things and he wants to see his kingdom grow. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the purpose for stewardship, expand God's kingdom. And it's also... Uh, testing for you and I to see how faithful we'll be. And so if God can test, trust us in the future. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this message. Um, <laughs> my flesh hates it, but my spirit rejoices in it. I thank you, God, that you're God who gives us new beginnings. Lord God, we may have messed up what you've already entrusted us. You're saying, give me what you have now. And you're faithful in that, I will give you more. I will give you more. Don't wait. Don't delay. Don't barely make it into heaven because you will suffer great loss. I have such great things for you. Don't do that. Lord, help us open our eyes in areas where we are mismanaging your finances, where we're mismanaging your time, where we're mismanaging your possessions in our lives. Help us, Lord, to see that. And give us wisdom in how to use it in a way that would grow your kingdom. May everything, every time we walk around, Lord God, may our eyes be open to this is a different world. This is God's world. It's not mine. Lord, thank you for trusting me to run it for you, to use it for you. Help us to see that, I pray in Jesus' name. 
And as we're still praying, I just want to say, there might be some here today, I want to give you an opportunity. You're not living for the Lord whatsoever, and you know that. But God loves you. You don't do good and then have God love you. And then you can be saved. No, you come just as you are. Because you cannot and I cannot save ourselves. Only God can save you. And he so wants to save you. If you're here today and you want to be saved, you want to give your life to Jesus and let his Holy Spirit come and live inside of you and grow you and change you. He's patient. He's patient. He's patient. You'll make mistakes. He knows that, but he's patient. And he's surrounded you with a church that will love you through it and love you in it. Love covers a multitude of sins. If you want to give your life to Jesus and have him fill your heart today, I want you to just raise your hand towards heaven. You're not raising your hands towards me or this church. You're raising your hands towards heaven right now. So go ahead and do that, and I'm going to pray. Dear God, you see these hearts, you see these hands, you see these lives. You know them so, so well. Lord God, I thank you that you made a way that they can be saved. Thank you for the death of Jesus Christ on the cross for our sins. But Lord, thank you you didn't stay dead. He's alive. Because he's alive, he offers us life as well if we would trust him. Lord, you see these hands, you see these hearts. They're trusting you to save them. Say to this. Jesus, save me. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want you. Forgive me. Now, you can say this with confidence. Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Now there's a work that God's going to do in your life. He's going to remove all the the impurities. He's going to remove all the, the past, the, the brokenness. He's going to bring healing. And that takes time. But you are saved. You are saved. And when the master returns right here today, you will be in, with him in paradise. Along with us. Amen? Lord God, thank you for that. I pray your blessings upon your church today. Help us to see this and help us to be good stewards. In Jesus' name. Amen.